Tell me if this sounds familiar to you. A planet with a very important resource. <laughs> and a group of people come down to harvest that resource and the natives don't like it. But then one of the people who came to harvest the resource turns out to be a good guy and he joins the natives and fights back against the people trying to harvest the resource. Am I explaining the plot of Avatar or am I explaining the plot <laughs> of Dune? More particularly Dune 2, that's the movie we just came out of. Today is February 29th. It technically, I like that cinemas do this, it technically releases tomorrow, but the first showtimes are today. Does it technically release tomorrow? Yeah, if you were to look it up, it would oh, say. Oh, that yeah. would explain it because Which, I, I it told... happens to a lot of like a lot of titles do this. When Burt Kreischer's mm. movie came out, we saw it the day after. There was actually a showing the day before, uh, which he paired with a stand-up show. Yeah, I think we oh, we talked about that before. Mm -hmm. Just in case I forget to say it later, welcome to the Forest Creek Podcast. <laughs> I haven't said that in a little while. Excuse me if I'm rusty. I'm your host, Raph. I'm Jared. I'm also rusty. <laughs> yeah, we, we came out of Dune 2. There's a reason, good reason why I haven't been doing the podcast, and I could talk about excuses. I could. But I'm tired of talking about excuses. <laughs> I just want to talk about the movie. Let's do that. Why didn't they call it Tune? <laughs> <laughs> I've been thinking in my head, how am I going to title this podcast episode yeah. and my best guess was d-o-o-n-t-o-o -O -O. <laughs> dune two no, you gotta do the number two u-n-e oh my god two <laughs> we'll see we'll see maybe i'll put it like a spotted instagram voting thing and only yeah. one person will vote and it'll be your dad that's a great idea yeah it could be chance <laughs> it could be chance the thing i was getting at with the opening of this is that there's a formula here the formula is we want a metaphor for white people harvesting resources. Just like Avatar, we have a metaphor for people coming and humans abusing nature and coming so, and stealing resources and then violating the rights of natives and blah, 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 blah. So what we do is we skin it with a fantasy world so that we can pretend that the metaphor isn't, you know, right up in your face. Yeah. And then the formula becomes about getting you as the audience to follow someone who starts in your perspective as someone who benefits from the resources that are harvested. Mm. We live in a first world. If we're going to a cinema, we live in a first world country. We're watching this in the movie theaters. We're people who benefit off the resources, mm. right? So then we start from that perspective and then we follow someone like us who came to harvest the resources as they go to see the other side of the story, which is the native side of the story. And then joins them and, and like, it's so beat for beat. I know the tactics of the people coming to harvest resources. You know this world really well. Let's join forces and engage in guerrilla <laughs> warfare to take down the people who are supposedly better at outgunning us. Mishmish mm -hmm. -mish keeps interrupting this podcast to harvest pets. <laughs> <laughs> to harvest pets. To harvest pets. <laughs> but you see where I'm getting at, yeah. right, with... You know, it's very formulaic. So what does mm -hmm. the name of the game become is how well we can be subtle about the metaphor and immerse you into the fantasy world. Mm -hmm. Avatar 2, which uh, AD and I talked about when it came out, The Way of Water. 
Avatar 1 did a very good job with this, even though it was still kind of stupid. They did a bad job at skidding the metaphor, and then they hit it with a Blue Planet documentary. <laughs> Is that what number two was? It was? It's basically a gigantic Discovery Channel documentary that takes place on an alien planet. Is it beautiful to look at? Yes, that's part of the immersion. But they failed to be subtle about it. Hmm. In fact, they were kind of stupid because so, they went from unobtainium to like we're harvesting the alien whales because they make us live longer or something. <laughs> you know? Um, and there's twists on this, right? There's twists on the story. Like, that's actually one of the reasons why the Black Panther story is good. Because Wakanda is a nation that benefited from its resource, vibranium. Hmm and became too powerful for anyone else to come into the country and harvest the vibranium. Hmm. So there are ways to put twists on it. And I am a fan of what Dune 2 did because it did a very good job at adding so much nuance into the story that it... Like, here's the thing. It takes something like a chosen one, which is a motif. It's kind of a cliche sometimes, but... They did this thing where their main character, Paul, is reluctant to be the chosen one. He doesn't want to be a messiah, at least in the beginning. Spoiler alert, we will be talking about the plot of this. <laughs> um, and this is also the second movie. You didn't see the first movie. No, I didn't, which was coincidental, incidental. I'd been planning to see it and then totally forgot about it. And then you were like, we're watching Dune 2. And I was like, well, I better watch Dune Dune 1 on the weekend. Or at least like a recap video or something. Well, like, I was going to actually watch the movie. And then the weekend yeah. passed. And I was like, better watch it tonight. And I totally forgot. And I did that for four days straight. Yeah, you messaged me today that you were going to watch a recap yeah, video. Yeah, I was and... planning on watching it in the car. Oh, my God. Before, like, out, at, parked outside the theater. Yeah. But there was, like, five Traffic. minutes left. Yeah. So <laughs> I was like, well, no time to look at a recap, whatever. So, so I'm going to be that the shoes for the audience members listening who haven't seen Dune 1. Which is great. Take and us through, haven't seen Dune 2, I guess. Take us through the experience. I can't go fully because you gave me the recap of Dune 1. Which, a little bit, yeah. I kind of gave you the quick. Which was extremely useful. I think if you haven't seen Dune 1, you won't understand. Let me do that recap now. Well, here's the first thing. If you watch it, you'll slowly begin to understand who people are. Yeah. But I would I would recommend watching the first one because... You'll get it better. For most of the movie, I was like, man, I wish I'd watched the first one. I watched the first one months ago. I saw it on Netflix. Yeah. I meant to go see it in theaters because it looked really good, mm -hmm. but I also like never got around to it. Dune is actually based off of a book series. Yes. And it's a really well-built and really well-written world. And it's very complicated and quite nuanced. Um, it differs from the Star Wars world in the sense that in Star Wars, you can... in you can, there's room for somebody else to be a different kind of character. Um, I mean that in the sense of the Star Wars universe is diverse and open-worldy enough mm, yeah. that in your head you can go, I wonder what it would be like if I was a Jedi, what kind of choices would I make yes, and what kind of yeah. adventures would I have? In Dune, I don't want to be anywhere in this world. <laughs> Being part of the houses sucks. Being part of the Fremen kind of sucks. Being one of the invading forces sucks. Being one of the many soldiers who get eaten by a sandworm sucks. 
There's no good place what to be. What about the Emperor? Even Christopher Walken? <laughs> that that took good, me by surprise. It was a good casting choice. It was. They got me. He's a great pick for it. Um, Dune altogether, great casting choices. Mm-hmm. So the first movie. Um, oh, this is the first movie I've seen with Timothy Chalamet, I think. Really? Yeah. What else has he been in? Maybe I don't know. I've only really seen him in Dune. No. I, know I first heard I about him on Willy Tim Dillon. I know he's Willy Wonka. I'm sorry. Oh, I never not, watched that one. I'm not going to watch it. I'm no, sorry. Johnny Depp is Willy Wonka. <laughs> Gene Wilder. Yeah, a lot of people mocked. would kill me for that one. Yeah, so we already we lost fans. <laughs> we lost our, your dad. Just turned off the yeah, podcast. Yeah, just been disowned. Um, so Dune, uh, the basic story of it is it takes place in a sci-fi future on a desert. We desert have an planet. intergalactic empire. Oh, is ru- ruling the galaxy. Yeah, right. And there are many noble houses that are ruled over by the emperor. Now, the way that they navigate their interstellar travel requires the use of a hallucinogenic drug called Spice. Um, And Spice is mined from a planet called Arrakis, or at least that they call Arrakis. It's a giant sandy planet full of deserts and all that. There's a lot of uh, intricacies about its ecosystem, like um, the whole culture there of the natives is about preserving moisture. Mm-hmm. Uh, because obviously you need water to survive, and it's very limited on dew. That was so funny because in the first scene, the mother is trying not to vomit. Yeah, and, and the like, guy's hold like, it in. "Hold, hold that in! Don't hold let that in. out! Don't let it out!" Because and then she vomits. Yeah. To them, it's not just about the moisture anymore. It's it's so intertwined with their culture. It's, it's sacred. Yeah, yeah. Right? And so when I saw that, I was trying to think. It's like, is this? Are worms also attracted to vomit or something? Or is there something like this? And then later on, I think it was like, yeah, she cries. And he says, don't waste that. <laughs> and literally yeah. wipes the tear from her eyes and, and licks his thumb. Yes. I was like, oh, it was about preserving the water. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a lot of really cool little intricacies about the planet. And that's yeah. where the immersion factor that I'm talking about the comes in. The world building they have in this the is world amazing. Building is really good. The sandworms that are attracted, the giant monstrous sandworms yeah. that are attracted to rhythmic sounds on the surface of the mm-hmm. desert so you have when you're walking you have to walk in a way that breaks up your rhythm sand walking yeah, yeah. sand walk literally um, which I think it's like that sort of thing is a really cool aspect in the first movie they actually have Timothy Chalamet's character uh, Paul he's like watching documentary videos about how to survive on Arrakis and that's mm. in there so like he literally he <laughs> references it in this yeah. movie um, another thing is spice if you're exposed to it often enough your eyes turn blue hmm uh, there's lots of little things. About that, that was a nice thing that you mentioned to me. But all these little things, learning about the world from you right before watching it was really useful. Yeah. Because in like the first shot, basically, you see somebody with blue eyes, and I know immediately. Oh, they've they've got spice. Yes. So <laughs> to kind of follow up on the plot here, basically, there's different houses, and the emperor assigned a house called the Harkonnens to look over Arrakis and look over the mining operation there and take care of it. At a certain point, the Emperor decides I'm favoring a different house, House Atreides. And Harkonnens, I'm telling you to leave the planet now, and Atreides are going to come and they're going to start taking over the mining operation. Mm -hmm. And Spice is a very valuable thing, so this is very big for House Atreides, so we're definitely going to take it. Um, The father of House Atreides, Leto Atreides, is played by Oscar Isaac. 
it was like he really did well in the role he again the casting choices throughout this entire franchise are amazing mm-hmm. but then as house atreides is beginning their whole takeover operation they are attra- attacked and betrayed why within their own house and the harkonnens come back and they bomb them and they launch an attack they kill everybody and they take over again mm-hmm. uh, and the difference was that the harkonnens god damn you cat <laughs> One of the things that they make clear in the beginning is that the Harkonnens immediately chose violence. Hmm. They're going to attack the natives. Yes, They're yeah. the Fremen. That's what the natives are called. Um, I don't even remember the name of the natives from Avatar. Oh, Navi. The Navi. The Navi. <laughs> but again, I just remember because they it's... do a similar thing to Avatar in that they invent a whole language and a culture and blah blah blah. Oh yeah. Yeah. The difference is that blah, blah, uh, all that crap. <laughs> It is crap. It is like here. <laughs> they did it in Lord of the Rings too. It was a big deal when Avatar, the first one, came out. People were like, it's all CG. Wow. Meanwhile, kids who play video games are like, yeah, it's all CG. <laughs> and then the second one comes out, and it's like, wow, we've been, sat through so many Marvel movies that this doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. It's still very picturesque. Yeah. But ugh. Um, <laughs> the Fremen are relatable in the beginning because they're human. But they also have a very unforgiving culture. Hmm. Our first human-to-human encounter with them has immediately a duel to the death. (laughs) When the House of Atreides is betrayed and overtaken by the Harkonnens, um, Paul Atreides, the son of the Duke, escapes with his mother. Paul is a chosen one because he was born to the father, being the Duke, but his mother wasn't actually a Duke's wife. His mother was what's called a Bene Gesserit. The Bene Gesserit is like a cult of magic witches. Hmm. They have all sorts of weird powers, including being able to like psychically command people. In the movie, whenever you see somebody speak and like kind of echoes, that's them doing that. Yeah. Right. Uh, They have all sorts of other things, but Paul kind of inherited some of these powers because he was born to a Bene Gesserit. Mm -hmm. This is kind of like a heresy to the Bene Gesserit because they're a matriarchal society. Um, It's all witches. It's all women. And this is going to point to something we're going to talk about again, because this movie does a very interesting framing of masculine and feminine forces. Hmm. But um, Paul is a chosen one, not just of the Bene Gesserit, because he's a guy who was born with these powers, not just because he's kind of like the prince of a house, not just because he's the guy who's supposed to literally inherit the planet and rule it, but also within the religion of the people, the Fremen, who are waiting for their messiah to come and free them. Paul is also what's called the Lisan al Khali, which is funny to me because it sounds, maybe I'm pronouncing it wrong, but it also kind of sounds like Arabic. And yeah. this whole movie is like references to me, it's like references to the Western countries coming and taking over the Middle East for the oil, mm. right? There's actually a scene uh, where the Baron of the Harkonnen, the big bad villain, He's bathing in a bathtub, and it's not water that he's bathing in. It looks like oil. I was wondering what it was. It, I don't know what exactly it is. He <laughs> kind of, like, does bathes in it to regenerate after he was, like, poisoned yeah, or something yeah. in the last movie. But it looks like oil, and I'm like, oh, I kind of get the metaphor here, you know? <laughs> Big, fat, white dude bathing in oil. <laughs> a little bit on the nose here. <laughs> in the last movie, when Paul ran away with his mom... 
they manage to escape the Harkonnens and they flee to the only people who can kind of offer them aid and protect them, which mm. are the Fremen. And he's dreaming about this girl all the time who is played by Zendaya, and then he actually meets her. Oh, that's the one he's her. dreaming about. Right, I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah, and then he actually meets her when he meets the Fremen. When he's dreaming about her in the first one, is it because he's on Spice? It is triggered by Spice, but it's also, like, just his regular dreams. He does, being a Bene Gesserit, gives him, like, psychic premonitions yeah. here and there. So, I think that's pretty much catch- catching everybody up on what yeah. the plot is here. So, uh, like I said, as per formula, the outsider <laughs> has to become an insider and become ingratiated with the culture and the ways of the people he's fighting with in order to conduct guerrilla warfare to take... And now I'm getting bored. You can hear me getting bored <laughs> to conduct guerrilla warfare it to was, fight off the people. I who, think what makes it interesting is the characters, for one thing, obviously. They're yeah. more interesting. They have a lot more color to them. Yeah, yeah. Which is funny, because the I other also, characters in Avatar are literally blue. Yeah, but I also really just like the desert setting and the world they've built. Yeah. It's far more interesting. Which is fascinating. Because if you watch Avatar, there should be a lot more interesting about well, this. Well, one thing I think that makes Avatar... <coughs> I guess that the Fremen have over the Navi in terms of interest is that the Fremen are not, like, integrated into the world as the Navi are. The Navi are essentially animals. Because actually... It's like there's no fighting against nature with them. If you trace back where the Fremen came from, they were humans mm-hmm. who just came with other humans and yeah. landed on this planet. It's, it's like, just we that, can see that. It's like, they're all human. Yeah. Just centuries later, yeah. obviously, they build a kind of adapt their own culture. Yeah. So, but it's like, yeah, this is humans here on this place that have learned to survive. Yes. It's like, it's it's more interesting but they than don't have, this you is know, just part of nature. The Na'vi literally have braids that connect them to the nature around yeah. them. Yeah. It's they, a... It's essentially, it's like if, it's like, imagine Planet of the Apes. Yeah. Like it advertised before, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. We saw the trailer yeah, for it's like a new Planet of the Apes is less interesting, assuming the apes are the natives. It's like, because they're entwined with nature, there's no fighting against nature, they're part of nature. That's what the Navi are. It's like, they're part of nature. There's no battling to survive, fighting against things. It takes them about 10 minutes and they're and yeah. they're suddenly flying on big birds. Because if anything, <laughs> I mean, like in Planet of the Apes, the apes are apes. Yeah. They're, if anything, more natural than the humans. In the exactly. Planet. 100%. And the Na'vi are quite literally a part of their planet. Yeah, but it's like if the, the Fremen, Fremen walk normally, they die. They have like a very <laughs> fascinating culture mm-hmm. because it's a culture of survival and it's very harsh and unforgiving. Yeah. And they developed it for a reason. It allows them to live in some form of harmony, but it's not like a naturally, you know, mm-hmm. natural born harmony. Mm-hmm. They had to develop this. Yeah. And not just develop it, but adhere to it with a religious ferocity, which is something that comes out in the movie. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the nuances I like about it is that they're not all the same. No, yeah, that was, yeah. it was, it was kind of funny that it's when like, you, cut you got down the north tree, and the south. All the Navi d- cry. Yeah. When you <laughs> talk poorly about the Messiah, Half of the Fremen are like, we don't stand with you on that. Yeah. Which is interesting to me. Which is like some of them abandon the magic of the world Mm -hmm. a little bit. Or like they're not interested in it. It's not real to them. They have no reason to really hold on to that belief. Whereas other ones do. And it's very funny, the whole Lisan al-Ghalib thing. And as it is written. Yeah. It is written. (laughs) Um, 
so walk us through your uh like i said i we we said i explained it to you a little bit so mm-hmm. you had a chance to like yeah know i think details of- even without that what this movie gets right is that it's a very good movie on its own as Show, a piece of cinema tell. as a piece of cinema yeah it's like this i can tell what's going on without knowing what's going on it's like when there's things thumping, thumping in the sand and everybody runs away and then the big guys in armor and guns come in. I know these are the people we're with. Yeah. Those are the enemies that we've set up a trap for them. I don't know what that trap is. I don't know what's going to happen. Then he runs away and says, worm. It's like, okay, so something big is coming and it's a, there's a giant worm coming. Yeah. Or whatever they think, whatever they call a worm, something big is coming. And it's because of these things thumping in the sand. It's like, I can slowly gather this world building information. It's really well done. Yes. It's amazing. And honestly, even throughout the whole thing, you told me there was a baron and an emperor. I didn't know if Christopher Walken was the baron or if the baron's son was the baron. When I first saw Christopher Walken, I was like, Jared's going to think that's the baron. I thought it was the baron. I know. And then I was like, well, who's this woman talking then because yeah. I don't know who she is and I had no reference for it but it's like slowly as I watched the movie I was like oh I understand all the relations now yes it's like just watching it I like I I watched the first movie months ago as I was explaining it to you I didn't it remember most of the names I'm yeah. pretty sure I called the planet something else by I accident. don't even remember yeah but they they explain but they that do stuff. such like a good they, job of the show don't yeah. tell they don't like and I think exposition on you. that's the big thing. It's like they do it through interesting dialogue between characters talking about things. Yes. They're not. And then showing you stuff. No narration. Yeah. No it's narration. So good. There's no somebody saying, man, There's, this really sucks. I we, wish that fat, bald man, the Baron, would not be doing the thing he's doing. And then show the fat, bald man, the Baron, doing the thing he's doing. I'm like, that's near, they're, bad they're, we're narration. We're not hearing <laughs> the diary of Jake Sully aloud the whole way through. <laughs> Which was really annoying. <laughs> was that an Avatar 2? Yes. Oh my gosh. It And it was an Avatar 1. Actually, one of the things <laughs> that annoys me so much... like okay, A sin on both of these movies mm-hmm. is that they're both really long. Dune 2 is three hours. Yeah, but here's the thing. I didn't feel like that. Dune 2 didn't feel like three hours to me. It felt shorter because it was really? so interesting. We would differ on this. One thing I actually didn't like about Dune 2 was the pacing of the first half. Yeah. It was so insanely fast. Maybe the first third, but it's like, it was super fast, and the only, and they were doing a bunch of time skipping that wasn't very obvious. It took me halfway through the second time skip to realize they were showing you by the level of pregnancy of the mother. And I was like, oh, that, oh, time has passed. Yes. Because he's literally like, huh, if I get the skeptical people on my side, I can get an army and get revenge. And then literally the next scene, he's got number one skeptic wrapped around his finger. I'm like, okay, what? Come on. Like, I don't... Like, romance is good in movies. It can be. I actually thought they did a pretty good job with that. I I thought so by... As movie romances go, I was pretty happy with it. After I realized they were time-skipped, I was satisfied. But before that, I was like, Dude, it literally took you two days. You hated him right away, and you were like, he's not the Messiah, there's no such thing. And yeah. then two days later, you're in bed with him? Like, that's crazy. That's just stupid. Yeah. And then then it's like, oh, it's actually been like four months. 
It's funny because okay, they this do this thing where sense. they're like, you have to take this journey across the desert. But yeah. we'll show you like two scenes of I didn't, that and then yeah, go right back that to That kind of just disappeared and, and I didn't like it. And then we'll just jump right into like, Guerrilla Warfare. Where's that going on? Here's one thing in the world that they cannot explain away and they never explain. Yeah. And they just hand wave. How do you get like 200 people on the back of one of these giant worms? You How did what? they get Actually, his mother on that freaking ex- worm? I don't think his in mother... In her giant carriage. I don't think she... She, she was. Was she? That's how they went to the south. They showed a big close-up of her in a tent with her giant hat on this worm going to the south. I was and I'm always like, that more doesn't like, make any sense. Because they show him getting onto the worm. Yeah. I was like, how do you get off the worm? That's the other thing. It's like, where's the dismount? And where's the yeah. mounting of 500 people at the same time? Which would be really cool to watch. <laughs> I thought the worm mounting scene was pretty cool. It was awesome. Yeah. It was, was so sick. Yeah, they do a lot of stuff that's very, again... But I'm also like, how, movie, did, how did you see him? <laughs> this movie is very visually stunning. Yeah. Which is the same deal with Avatar 2. Mm-hmm. The problem with Avatar 2 is that they made 10 hours and then decided to cut it down to four or three mm. and a half. And the problem with that is that we have a very beautiful scene. If you just lingered on this shot for just a second more, we could really appreciate the beauty. Nope, we got to cut to the next mm. thing because we have way too much stuff to get through. Yeah. Same kind of deal with Dune 2. I don't think it was as egregious, and we got to get a lot of the beauty out of it. Yeah, there was... If anything, we could do with maybe a little bit less walking around on sand. That was a little bit, a lot of that. We have a lot of that. <laughs> Especially in the first movie, we have a lot of shots of people walking through the desert wordlessly <laughs> between yeah. machines, and it's like, we don't need this much of that in a three-hour movie. We got the runtime a little bit. With this, as with Avatar, my thoughts are, you could do this as a Netflix series, mm. and we could take our time with things well, and enjoy them, but the problem is, we have a gigantic, very expensive cast, we have a lot of very expensive yeah, filmmaking, yeah. and we have to get our money back on this by showing it in a theater, Yeah, right? That is one thing. It's like, what, in terms of thinking, it's like, how should you present, what format should you choose for to present your story? movie yeah. or tv show yeah because now with things like game of thrones setting such a precedent you can have an hour and a half episode yes that's rare but it's 40 minutes to an hour by by season like four or five every episode was at least an hour dune a movie like that is designed to be played in the theater though mm-hmm. right because that's we have the other thing visually stunning things it's incredible when i when we, there's a scene where we were watching a spaceship blow up a Oh like my a gosh, cave system, yeah. and just hearing the bass thump and the you rockets flying. You were freaking shaking in your seat. Man. I loved it's it. Why I was thrilled by that scene <laughs> because I was like, I feel like I'm watching you were really like, yes, the rockets kill go them. off. <laughs> it's kind of like the uh, the bomb moment in, in Oppenheimer. Mm. Some things are meant to be shown in theaters. Yeah, and I'm glad again we went to Landmark for this. Comfortable seats. The Dolby sound system that they have mm-hmm. is fantastic. Uh, we watched it in something called Laser, which I think they just we, named it because it sounds cool. But we I watched have no Laser? Idea. Apparently. It's supposed to be visually a little bit better. See, in IMAX, they used to do a laser show. That was fun. They'd bounce a bunch of lasers off yeah. mirrors. This was a little bit fun <laughs> for the intro. And they'd be like, this, this screen is the size of five houses. <laughs> Whoa. Stacked on top of each other. Yeah, it's, like, it's how curved. big is your house? It doesn't look that big. <laughs> wow, really? Um, but like we said, very visually stunning. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'd think that you would get bored of looking at desert landscapes. 
Yeah, you didn't. No. It's like I fun, said, it's, it's fun, like I didn't. It didn't feel like three it's hours. It's a fun contrast to Avatar Two because Avatar Two is colorful and ocean and look yeah. at these fish and <laughs> green jungles and mountains and blah 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 and it's like, it's boring. <laughs> You're just making me watch a gigantic blue planet documentary that takes thing. place on an alien planet, and yeah. it's annoying. It's we didn't have to spend three hours learning about this fish that doesn't affect the plot at all. <laughs> Dune doesn't spend too much time being like, yeah. here's look at all these people with blue eyes. No, it just puts them in there. It's it's fifty fifty in that it's like the thing it suffers from in the first bit is pacing. Yes, and like I thought him crossing the desert was gonna take. I thought that was going to be a journey. I'm kind of glad it wasn't. Instead, it was a, not even a montage. It was two scenes. Yeah. <laughs> we, we might we might differ on this because I'm like, I know that that's going to just go. Because that's one of the formulaic boring parts to me mm. is you have to undertake the test. But obviously, you're the protagonist and the chosen one in like three <laughs> separate cultures. So, of course, you're going to survive this yeah, test. And we don't really yeah, want to watch you walk across the desert. It's 50-50. It's not a massive negative. It yeah. took me like un until I was seeing the next scene and he's climbing something. And I was like, oh, oh, it's done. He passed it. Okay. Yeah. And then I moved on. But One it's like, thing... I don't want it to be, I have to realize that we've moved on to the next scene. Like, why Why did you do it that mm. way? That's the thing that messed with me. And it's like, that's where it's like, if it broke the immersion. Because it left me thinking, where are we? What's going on? For I'm at least two shots. What it would have been like if you did watch the first movie first. And then you maybe. would have become a little bit maybe more it, acquainted with the world. If so they, do they have a similar this. thing with pacing in it, where it's like no. really fast and really slow? If anything, or really it's slow incredibly really slow the whole way through. Weird to me. Um, yeah, mm. so we might differ on that, but well, no, it's it's. I don't mind if you want to introduce a scene that's like our protagonist is going to go do something, and then you skip it off screen because yeah. it's obvious. Like whatever, do that. Just don't break the immersion. Because what happened to me mm. during the theater that I assume is going to happen to a lot of people, is I see him going here in the desert, I see her joining him and whatnot, and then he, suddenly it's another, it's brighter out, and there's different people go, doing different things, and then he's climbing a mountain, and I'm like, what is happening? Are we yeah. seeing something else? Is it a new day? Is it a new scene? Where, why is he here? How much time has passed? That was the other thing. It's like, I never knew how much time has passed until I realized, I was like, oh, they're showing us, the, they showed us the mother twice. With like a tiny little baby bump, and the maybe I'm just an idiot, but my indicator was not. Oh, it's been a month and a half. I'm very well acquainted with the <laughs> with how women change oh, I during know exactly pregnancy. What trimester she's yeah, in? I'm yeah, I'm like I I don't freaking know, dude. <laughs> yeah. One second, I want to shout out the cast of Do this. It. We Shouts have to talk out. out about the cast a little bit because the. The casting of the Dune movies is really good. Mm -hmm. Everybody in my mind has knocked the performance out of the park. There wasn't one single one that was unbelievable. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Timothy Chalamet, obviously our lead. He plays oh, Paul Atreides. Um, Zenadiah, mm -hmm. the, also known as the Spider-Man girlfriend, <laughs> is Wait, in who? this movie. Um, yeah, because she's the girlfriend to Tom Holland, Spider-Man. She's their MJ. Oh, I never watched those movies. Yeah, they're not. The third one is good. The first one is okay. Mm -hmm. The second one is not good. Andres despises all of them. I know, but you know, <laughs> you know how he is. Which is the funniest thing. Zenadia, I, I will say, actually, my first time seeing her before she was in Spider-Man, she was a Disney Channel actress. Oh, really? And she played this show where she was like a 
a kid spy who was going to high school and trying to live a normal life, but also being a spy. <laughs> um, and even in that role, it was very evident to me that she could play someone who could be bearing a lot of pain, but still be determined. Mm. Which was a little bit reflective of her MJ role, of somebody who, I have a lot of pain, I'm jaded, I don't have, I have trust issues or whatever, but yeah. also I'm determined and gotta be cool. And again, the same thing is true in this role, uh, when she's playing Chani. So that turned out very well. Austin Butler was playing our one of our villains. Her name was Chani. Yeah, Johnny. That's what it's spelled like I here. didn't get that until the end of the movie. 90% of the way, I thought she was called Johnny. Every time they said Paul's name, Madi or something like that, I didn't understand it at all. Madi? Madi. Oh, uh, it was like, shoot. Now yeah. you ruined it for me. I don't even know what, what the is word it? is. With, Widam, Wadimi. Wadi, 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 Madi, Wadi. They say well, it both ways. Well, they add a Muadim or something. What I really hate is when they did subtitles and just showed the subtitles in their language. They didn't even put the subtitles in English. Why did they do that? um, Every time Lisan Al-Khali came out. It's a name. There's other like sayings when they would like say something and then they show subtitles. In case you didn't hear this guy say this thing in this other language, we're going to show you what it's spelt like in the other language. <laughs> and they would show, like, the word Madi, like, M-A-D-H-I or something like that. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, oh, is that the word? I don't know. Maybe I've just watched a lot of subtitled things. Uh, let's I'm see. used to that sort of thing. It didn't bump with me. Florence, so Florence Pugh was the one who played the um, Princess Arulian. No. Arulian, <laughs> who was the emperor, emperor's daughter. Yeah. Uh, one of the Bene Gesserit. She looks a little bit to me like a younger, hotter Scott, Scarlett Johansson, to be honest. <laughs> but on like I, her performance was really good. That was yeah. one of the ones that really struck me. Hmm. Rebecca Ferguson playing Lady Jessica. Christopher Walken played uh, the Emperor. Is Lady Jessica the mom? I think so. Who's that? She had an incredible performance. Jason Momoa was in the previous one. He Mm -hmm. was playing like Timothy Chalamet's bodyguard, and he was like one of the most renowned fighters. He has a really cool fight scene Mm -hmm. in the first movie. He dies, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Um, Spoilers. Stellan Skarsgård is the guy who plays the Baron. What a name. (laughs) He plays the Baron? Yeah, he's the guy who plays the Baron. That's wild. Batista's in this movie. (laughs) Batista is an underrated actor. Oh, okay. Is is this the same guy that played Drax? Yeah. Okay, because yeah. as soon as I saw him, I was like, Drax is in this. Yeah, and he like he's <laughs> he really good it. at like the really angry. Oh my gosh, he was so incredible. It was one of the cliches that I was not a fan of. Of the bad guys always kill their own people. Oh, okay, yeah. All the time. And they do that constantly with the Harkonnens. It's yeah. kind of stupid. <laughs> it's kind of stupid how often they do. It's like, oh, I'm just going to slit your throat to test how sharp this knife is because I'm a yeah. psychopath. I was like, I know you're a psychopath. They just said you're a psychopath in the previous scene. <laughs> I don't need this stupid demonstration. Yeah. I think what... Or like Batista does it. It was like, oh, I'm mad at your failure. How dare you tell yeah, me to rest? And, like and slams, slams him in your the head. face. And you're like, I get it. This is Batista being Batista and doing his thing. Like, <laughs> I on. think the weirdest bit of lore is that Fade, Fade Rahib or whatever his name is, he has girls in his quarter that he feeds other yeah, they're girls to. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, what the heck? It doesn't... Like, this is their whole purpose. So like, yeah, I get it. It's part they of They chill your, here and they eat people. Your whole psychopath thing 
got it, bro. Thanks. Like, wh where is that in the budget? Like, what is this? What is the? <laughs> what's the title? I'll point out two other ones. Um, Josh Brolin, mm. who is uh, playing Gurney. He's the, oh, okay. Yeah. He's the so he was part uh, of House Atreides, and then he somehow got away when they were destroyed and became a smuggler. Yeah. Who was mining spice and selling it on the low. Mm -hmm. uh, and then he runs into Paul again and joins the fight. Josh Brolin, also known for his roles as Cable in Deadpool. Oh. Um, and he's the guy who plays Thanos. I thought so. Yeah. Because he popped off his mask and I was like, Thanos? He's Jeff great. Bridges? He's great. When, when he came on and like, because he was supposedly dead. Mm -hmm. When he's, when I heard him like singing and playing that like weird guitar thing, I was yeah. like, this is cool. Oh, that's This awesome. is cool. He had a really cool entrance. He did. Yeah. Oh, that was great. Um, <laughs> and... Last but certainly not least, I think I'm going to take a guess and say this is probably your favorite character, Timothy too. Chalamet. No. <laughs> Stilgar. Oh, Stilgar. Javier Bardem plays Stilgar. As written. <laughs> as, as it is written. <laughs> People started laughing in the theater at certain points because of that. I think there was a part of it that it was supposed to be funny when... Um, Paul comes out and he's like, I don't want to be the Messiah. I'm not the Messiah. This is just a thing. And then the next scene is literally oh, Stilgar talking to everybody, being like, he's humble. It's as it's written. Yeah. He's pretending not <laughs> he's to be too the Messiah. To, to and say that's how Messiah. we know he is. Yeah. Which he was right. But that also, was, that was so yeah, good. People what were laughing in the theater. It was a really funny <laughs> moment, you know? <laughs> yeah, they did that pretty well. They, all in all, I'm like happy about this movie. Mm -hmm. I think it's just like the, in the beginning, I was like skeptical about the movie because of the parts that are formulaic hmm. because I'm walking into it going Avatar 2 <laughs> because that's on my mind and I'm like I'm not into Hollywood doing this again mm -hmm, mm -hmm. can't I be in an alien world with an alien problem you know <laughs> it's kind of like uh, it's one of the things that's so attractive about Star Wars because the force is an alien problem Oh, it's yeah. completely imaginary. Yeah, you know, um, it, it's like if anything, <laughs> it's a more subtle metaphor for a lot of things. It's the thing that makes the One Ring and Lord of the Rings so attractive. Mm. It's a fantastic metaphor, but they have no way to beat you over the head with it. Yeah, right. Because it's a ring. <laughs> Avatar Two beats you over the head from the beginning. <laughs> the white man is here. The white man, and it's almost it's almost kind of offensive. <laughs> How close? To you? <laughs> like I'm looking at the Navi being like, just use First Nations people, just use Aboriginals, <laughs> just use Indigenous people, just say Indigenous. Yeah. Like just do that. <laughs> I get it. You don't have to beat me over the head with, we are the natives here and we are more connected to nature. <laughs> it's like, bro, come on. Do you have to really? Do I need the Hollywood liberal elite to beat me over the head with this? I get it. <laughs> You called it unobtainium, you moron. <laughs> I'm not going to say that spice is that much more creative. No. I think it is. It is a little bit. Like, saying spice is lame. I thought what I thought but... was funny was the way they were able to use it, because they spike his food with it. Yeah. And they go, a little bit too spicy for you? Yeah, like, which is oh, funny. Oh, like, that was clever. Oh, that word does work. Yeah. You know? Here's one question I have. Are all of the Fremen high all the time? They all have blue eyes all the time constantly not all of them that's funny it's interesting you mentioned that not all the fremen have blue oh, eyes oh i guess stilgar didn't no he did didn't he no 
Okay. A number of people in it, like a number of the Johnny friend, did, friend and did like ninety percent of the random people around him did. I wouldn't say ninety percent. I would say it was actually like it's almost sixty forty. Like forty percent of them had it. Had hmm. it. So why? Um, like, what's up with that? It's just, a, you know, if you happened to be overexposed to it, you would get blue eyes. Here's a question: Where is Spice Mind? Like, what is overexposed? How do they get it? So. How common is it? You'll see them when they're walking in the desert. They have that thing that's like attached to their noses. Right? Oh, it's yes. It's like a tube yes. that comes out. That's because they need that to breathe clean oxygen. Okay. Because it's in the sand. Oh. And it's like very fine and can get in the air and okay. then you inhale it like that. Yes. I was wondering about that. I yeah. was like, maybe it's like moist air. Yeah. They show it to you. <laughs> it's like it sparkles. The spice. Yeah. They mentioned, they kind of demonstrated that for like a shot. And I was like, wait, so it's on the surface of the sand? And then that makes the, the mining equipment make more sense because they're not actually, like, digging down and mining. Yeah. They're just stabbing stuff. It's interesting, the mining equipment, um, there's parts of it that almost don't seem to make sense when you're looking at it from an engineering standpoint. Like, they have, <laughs> it's got tank treads, so it's moving, but then yeah. it also has these legs that just thump on the ground randomly. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's to throw off the rhythm so that the sandworms don't come. Oh. Yeah. That makes so sense. it is interesting how yeah. the world kind of works together like that. Another Here's... thing I find really interesting, and this, it's like an excuse to do cool martial combat, mm. is the shield thing. The what? The shields on their armor. Because they do explain it in the first movie, they're like, the shields on armor are designed to repel high velocity attacks. Oh, yes. Yeah. So you need low velocity attacks which is why we use blades instead of guns yeah which they still use guns like yeah that's yeah. that's a question i had in terms of world building with the fremen where are their production factories that they make these giant guns they have big laser guns that they destroy these mi this mining things with where did I, they get I those know. i don't know I was I mean, hoping they would explain it in the first movie. Where do they make the, the thumpy things they put in the sand? I was joking about this with Avatar 2. But <laughs> if we really wanted to model a little bit of what goes on in the real world, mm. we would go down to the Navi on their planet and we wouldn't attack or destroy or do any of that stupid stuff. We'd just go to one tribe of the Navi and be like, the other tribe's talking crap about you. Do you guys want some guns? <laughs> And then we would then go to the other tribe and be like, you guys need our help. <laughs> They're coming for let you. Let us set up some military bases here. We don't know where they got these guns, but let us set up some military bases here and harvest some With of your resources. With the exact same guns. <laughs> ISIS drives like freaking Toyotas, bro. Do you get the picture? They went down to the dealership. Oh, where did the Taliban come from? Well, in the 1980s, we were fighting Soviet Russia, so we gave the Mujahideen a bunch of guns. And then one of the Mujahideen turned into Osama bin Laden. <laughs> so it's like, if you want, if you really want to, like, if you want to dig into this, if I was trying to get back at the Harkonnens, I would show up and be like, hey, Fremen people. I don't really care what you guys do with all of these weapons and armaments, but why don't you, you know, help yourself and cause some trouble for <laughs> the people I don't like, right? Yeah, I just thought it was hilarious got, that it's like, they're, the native people here, they, they live in caves, and it's like, they're very, it's like, it's all primitive stuff, they're running around everywhere, they have, but they somehow have mechanical devices, like, okay, so they've got some sort of production means somewhere. And they're getting metal somewhere. They kind and of then explain it. They shoot a 
giant freaking cannon laser from the side of a mountain and it rips through one of these mining things and destroys it in one hit. Yeah. Like, where did you get that? What is powering that thing? We circle back to this. They're humans. They're humans with engineering capabilities and they have I don't know, a lot man. of habitation they, in the south apparently. Did they explain they can... any of this in the first movie? I don't think they really have to. Because if you even show us a shot of some guy emerging from a factory. Here's something you didn't question. They all have high-tech suits that can recycle moisture off of their bodies. I didn't know that. It actually wasn't until much later that I understood they're not, like, just liquefying people. Yeah. They're absorbing the moisture from their bodies. Yeah. I thought they were, like, turning their bodies fully and like into liquid and then it just came oh out God, water and i was like that funny. would be a lot more red yeah, they have all kinds of instruments <laughs> so it and took tools me and stuff probably um, literally until the end of the movie in the first movie they have someone who's like a doctor mm-hmm. it's like well you clearly had to have the resources and knowledge yeah. to be able to study medicine to a i don't know man just show me one shot of a room or a guy that makes this stuff i get it I get it, but Just, also what, this movie's got three hours. Don't show me that shit at all. Put, put an <laughs> inventor. Maybe maybe Chinese smart. Give her some goggles and a lab coat. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> Who I is actually, this doctor character? I, I like. I think that might have been a bit too much. Um, on the other side of this, I'm gonna give you some pushback and be I don't like, know, give "This me, movie's already three hours." I don't care how long it is. I do. If they take out all the My bits where people are walking on the sand the th- and explain was, to me where you got a giant laser cannon that destroys mining equipment, we bought it from the Taliban. No. <laughs> <laughs> it works. There's smugglers out there. Maybe they smuggle you guns. Yeah, like clearly the world is a little bit bigger. But clearly than they we don't. See. They can't tell the difference between smugglers and the real guys. If you think about it this way, we only saw two houses. Yeah. But there are a bunch more. Yeah. Right. Like just like we said, it's like the other houses are not honoring your ascendancy. Well, yeah. they're waiting right now in orbit. Yeah, right. right now, by the end of the movie, because yeah. they finally heard about stuff. Well, you know, it's like, like the Baron gave them that notice. They're. Clearly, there's a lot of stores of resources. Um, I mean, like, no, it's not clear. One of one of <laughs> they the, didn't show the only resource I they showed us. They had you right now. They literally open a thing and they're like, "Here's all these atomic weapons that belong to okay, your house." Okay, so here's the two stores we have that I'm they didn't know existed and could not access. They're all wearing high-tech moisture harvesting suits. They have pump technology. They, they build. It. They build thumpers themselves Where? and they're like i when? tuned this Who? myself did he say that yeah literally stillgar's handing him the thumper and he's like i tuned this myself who made it stillgar no he tuned it i don't know what does that mean who cares like a guitar i care i don't question where'd you that. get that freaking piece of metal i don't care i don't care <laughs> why do they all look the same that useless... means there's a factory it's like here's the thing because even if you did show oh they have a big laser that can rip through the thing got it the other guy still had a gigantic spaceship and like loads of soldiers and stuff. So it's like clearly there is a differential between <laughs> resources here because they're still fighting guerrilla warfare yeah. versus these guys coming in with their full military force <laughs> and might. So it's like that's enough for me. I yeah, it, no, no. Here's the thing: it works, it works, and it doesn't break immersion. But it's just like, where'd you get that? What's what's going on there? We made it in the lab. Do you really, really need to see where we make fucking iPhones? I would like to. (laughs) (laughs) Show me the money. I think it's like there is a way to dig a little bit too much into the economy of these things. Yeah, that's the fun part. And not always. (laughs) 
not always not always Avatar two. <laughs> not always. I Maybe don't I'm need coming to see all these. Things. I'm also coming from the stance of reading books. I've been reading a book series for the past six months, right? And it's very in depth and very delightful. Which is what kind of surprised me when you said you didn't know anything about Dune because I was like. Knowing the your taste in books, I was like, you'd probably really like it, dude. Yeah, I've heard about it. Um, I actually, I heard about it a ton from Matt Colville, who is a oh, YouTuber who he's talks totally about mentioned it. Dungeons and Dragons yeah. and all sorts of other fantasy tales and stuff. Uh, and he referenced Dune a lot in his videos, mm. so it was like, it's clearly something that's like pretty well known <laughs> in some sci-fi lover circles. Yes. I mean, there was even the guy in the robe in front of us that said that was pretty close to the movie at the uh, to the books at the end. Oh, okay. I didn't hear that guy. Yeah. Yeah. I eavesdrop on everybody around me all the time. (laughs) Not well. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, overall, what do you... Like, if we think... I actually want to get your perspective on this. Mm. What is the coloring like from your perspective? Oh, dude, it was so freaking good. Oh, my gosh. It was delightful. Everything matched. There was not one shot that bumped with me. I'm, I'm guaranteed if you actually analyze it, I'm sure there's some lighting mismatches or, like... Oh, he's a slight shade orange different than here and there, but we it's saw, like, it works enough. Right before that, we saw another trailer for another movie that takes place in a desert kind of environment, and Did that we? was the Furiosa movie. Oh, yeah. When I'm seeing I love shots the of the Furiosa, Furiosa movie, like, the colors are really cool, but mm-hmm. I'm looking at shots and being like, that's a green screen. Oh, there really? Were, there were a couple shots of the tra- in the trailer where I'm like, that is a green screen. Interesting. It kind of breaks my immersion a little bit. I had no issues with visually with this entire movie. I actually thought one part that I want to point out that's cool is they show the Harkonnen world in this arena. And if you notice, everything there is black and white. I love, but here's the thing that I love so much about that. It's not true, desaturated, fully black and white. Yeah. It's it's in a way that it's like things that are color are still color. It's like the guys, the enemies come out and they're still skin color. They're just very desaturated. They're not black and white. They're not pale. I was wondering in my head, is like, is this kind of a commentary about when we go over into a foreign country to harvest the resources and start a war, we need to frame things as black and white. Mm. Quite literally. That could be, yeah. Because we're literally watching our warrior hero, or at least from their perspective, their warrior hero, the mm. prince the Nabaran who's supposed to inherit the planet and he's killing the last of the supposed last of that house and we're literally we're framing it and it's black and white yeah there's yeah. no there's no know, gray no gray and there's no <laughs> disinterest in the morality here. there's also is, no hair which is a, an interesting thing it's like it kind of makes them all look a little bit homogenous when you yeah, look at the girls in this thing point. music in the thing it was one of those I never really pay attention to music in movies it's one of those ones where it was so good I didn't notice it yeah so it was the kiss scene between Paul and Chan their first one oh yeah uh, and you can kind of hear the orchestra building a little bit and then mm. it like goes into full roar when they finally do the first kiss because it's kind of like it's the fulfillment of Paul's personal prophecy yeah overall it's not like that super impactful but it was good enough that it didn't distract mm-hmm. it just enhanced the scenes it didn't take yeah. steal the show i think a lot of the time you can steal the show in a way that's kind of cool mm. inception does a really good job of that oh yeah with like the roaring thing and inception does a really smart motif where 
Uh, by contrast, Hans Zimmer, what he did was because every level of the dream is slowing, the whole reason it goes boom, boom oh. is actually because we're slowing down an orchestral yeah, yeah. piece that's to why. match the timing of like that's the dream that we're in, right? Mm -hmm. um, another great example of this is everything, everywhere, all at once. Oh, their choice of music is Claire de Lune, and they play it at, like at certain parts. Mm. Like very, oh yeah, I remember you mentioning this. Yeah, yeah. Um, there, in this movie, it doesn't steal the show. It's not. It, it's not across the Spider Verse, you yeah, know, with yeah, that kind yeah, of deal. Yeah. <laughs> but it does it. I think the real star of the show here is the visuals. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And the performances of the actors complementing that visuals. Mm -hmm. It's a really well put together movie. Mm -hmm. I would say it's not one of those things that I would walk away from being like that has no right being that popular. Mm. Like no, not it's there's like, it's nothing amazing. controversial about this being a good movie. Yeah, you know, like you can be controversial about the Barbie movie, for instance, mm. um, which is certainly a lot more forward in the we're gonna beat you over the head with the <laughs> thing we're talking about. Yeah, this movie is a lot, you know, cooler about it. What do you think about the fight scenes? I actually thought that was really good because they were essentially. What I would call a fight scene here is like close combat. Yeah. And they were re relatively few and far between. There wasn't a whole ton of close combat. There was actually a lot of politics in this. Yeah. And it's like which well I actually really like politics. Yeah. Right. It because wasn't it's not Star Wars. Menace. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the Phantom Menace where we're talking about trade federations. Oh my gosh! That don't and you got to read like a five-page document to understand what's going on, and you don't want yeah. to because I just want to watch a freaking movie. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think they did the politics. No, the politics was amazing. Was I understood everything, things. and it's it was interesting to watch. Very nuanced. Yeah. It's very Game of Thronesy. Yeah. You're watching these people really do is. their political maneuvering. Oh man, okay. The funniest. We have to make sure the Bene Gesserit survives. That the blah 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 blah. You know, it's like what I freaking burst out laughing and literally covered my mouth because I was in a theater. I remember that. I was, yeah. yeah. It was so funny because they just talk about fade and desires how they can control him and then they cut to the to the ceremony and the Baron part of the ceremony is kissing his son on the lips <laughs> and as he pulls away Fade grabs the back of his uncle, his dad's head, and pulls him in. It's, for it's a his uncle. Kiss. His uncle. Because again, it's like it's a moment. Oh, of... freaking killed me, man! It was so funny. Did you know that actually <laughs> leaders in the Soviet Union used to kiss each other on the lips? Really? Yeah. If you go to right, if you go to Berlin, uh, on the Berlin Wall, there's a mural of two Soviet leaders kissing each other. Wow, I've been there and I've seen the wall, but I didn't see that. Wow, there you go. You weren't paying attention. The political parts to it, like I thought, were actually really well done. Yeah, is one of the one of the moments that really stuck out to me is they're showing Batista, his character, is standing like in front of the armies. And he's getting a medal, and you can see on his face is like this means so much to me. Mm. So much. it was like the performances like really, really complement the political scenes. Yeah, and just they imply the importance with again they do a wonderful job with show don't tell. Yeah, there's a scene where uh, in the first movie where the Harkonnens are preparing to go and attack the Atreides, and they're all like kneeling and their priestesses are coming and like putting one little ink smudge on their foreheads mm. like anointing them, you're ready for battle and it's like, it really sells to you the importance of these guys are ready to die Yeah, they're ready to go yeah. for it um, the whole, the political maneuvering in this movie is fantastic, <laughs> and then the action scenes, not just necessarily the combat, the action of we're watching something blow up, we're watching characters run, mm-hmm 
it's pretty good, pretty well executed. Yeah, you know, it's like, amazing. Even the I scene, really enjoyed it. Like where I would highly recommend watching the first one first, <laughs> because halfway through I was like, man, I wish I watched the first one. They're both really good. Yeah, yeah. Um, where Paul is running up and like trying to reload for Chani and you know the kind of RPG. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's a really cool scene. It's a great scene. You know? um, I love when he's like, "You stay here." And keep aiming. I'm gonna run to that other thing for cover. To draw. And he's running over, and halfway through, it starts moving. He's like, "Crap!" He's like, "Yeah," because they have to turn off the shield in order to fire. Yeah. And I was like, "Oh, that's oh, actually that kind of like a cool mechanism." So to freaking this. funny, though. That is like, I'm gonna run to the other side for cover, and then his cover moves, and he's like, "You gotta be kidding me!" Yeah, it's really funny. <laughs> well, then when we get down to it, it's like, um, in the previous movie, there was like one big fight scene. There's a lot of smaller knife to combat things. Yeah. Um, but there's one in the previous movie where Jason Momoa is like fighting off 10 Harkonnens and he's in <laughs> a, th- it's a sword fight with them. Yeah. Uh, in this one, we get another knife duel with Paul and it's like the oh, Harkonnen Nabaran. It was Count so Prince. good, man. It was a really good that fight. That was awesome. Yeah. Although, spoilers, he gets, after he gets stabbed twice, like pulls out the other one, I'm like, you're, you're bleeding a lot. For a guy who's kind of about to Shut stand up, he's a chosen one. I'm not gonna. Yeah, I'm not gonna stand for this. <laughs> I was like, somebody's gonna no like right bandage him. I have no right to because I love John Wick. <laughs> and John Wick gets battered, stabbed, shot, thrown out of buildings. Here's the thing: he's had a lot more training and experience than than Paul Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> <laughs> it's I, like I, they they preface John Wick that he is that guy. Yeah, that's true. They never um, preface Paul with that, at least not in the second movie. Paul, like, I really liked the way Timothy Chalamet's performance takes that turn with mm-hmm. Paul, where towards the end when he accepts being, yeah, like, and like I can see all the futures, none of this is important, and he like defies their culture and their mm-hmm. tradition, and still stands up to be like, you need me, you're Which afraid that opposite. I might be the one. Yeah, because earlier he was all about accepting the tradition and doing whatever they wanted him to do. Yeah. And now he's like, screw that. You would deprive me of the best of you. I'm not going to shatter my best knife. Before oh, that was so was like good, man. Really it's good. like, do you break a knife before a battle? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, you moron. It's a really, really cool scene. <laughs> yeah. All in all. Um, that was, that's one thing. I think that is the number one reason I want, I wanted to, I would have watched the first one first <laughs> is his character development. Because yeah. I realized only after like only in the real first dialogue scenes of this movie that I was like oh I have no clue who this guy is yeah I know nothing about him and so once I started watching him I was like who exactly is he he's kind of planning things and he's making he's planning out maneuvers he's like okay they see me as a messiah but only like half of them or less he's like if I can get the non-believers then I can gather an army and then I can go over here and like throughout the movie so it's like at the very beginning he's planning all this I'm like okay he's kind of a scumbag guy and it's like he's going to manipulate all these people and send them to their deaths and start a war it's like that's it's like that's as now knowing it's like oh he's the son of a dude he's gonna rule over this whole planet the visions of like what the atomic weapons are gonna do and the whole but that was the thing where I'm like the one moment that I think is the most important moment in the movie for him is when he's sitting there on his own and he takes off his father's ring puts it in his pocket that's where he yeah. decided he was like okay i'm no longer the guy i'm no longer scheming 
He's like, this is real and I believe it and I'm here, I'm all in. Yeah. It's like that's when he became one of them. Well, then he has this transition. Where exactly. Where it's on. like he's, yeah, he puts it back on, which is like, dang, why is he doing that? And that's, that's what makes me think. It's like watching that and remembering his one line from the very beginning where he says, if I can get them on my side, then I can go. He explains what he's going to do in the whole yeah. movie. He kind and of then like, he does it all. Yes. And I'm like, did he ever not believe? Or there is it one of those situations? Like where it seemed he strayed. He's like, I'm just happy doing my guerrilla warfare. That's where I'm, I'm wondering. Out with I think what it actually is, is that it's less so that he's he like took off the ring and said, I'm not with that anymore. I'm with these people. I think it was like an in-between where he didn't want to choose. And it's like he's still his father's son, the duke to be of this planet, and he's gonna rule it all, and he wants to get his revenge, but he also wants to be part of these people and just have a happy, quiet life. I'm gonna reference something from history here. Um, the idea of your, you know, guy from the Western world going into some Eastern culture and becoming embedded and becoming part of that culture and fighting with the leaders there, the real-life version of that is Lawrence of Arabia. T.E. Lawrence. That who is was, a movie. No. <laughs> I mean, it is a movie. Um, but it was a real guy. Yeah. He was a British officer during hmm. the First World War who went to go fight against the Turkish and Ottoman Empire. And he met with the Mujahideen. And the Bedouin tribe is there before they were the Mujahideen. And he learned their culture and then helped them with his own military tactics and together they fought back against the Ottoman Empire. Maybe I have that wrong because I don't really know my history something like that. that much, but it was something like that. And it, when you see pictures of Lawrence of Arabia, he was just an English guy, hmm. but you would see him in the Bedouin gown and yeah. headdress and all that stuff. There's a romanticism behind that Jake Sully kind of, I'm going to adopt their culture and mm -hmm. become one and then help them and get in the romantic guerrilla warfare kind of deal. Mm -hmm. Paul gets into that. And I think he starts off with, I'm the Duke's son and I have a mission. Yeah. And then we watch him become romanced by that lifestyle of, I'm one of the Fremen. Mm -hmm. I have a Fremen girlfriend. I'm helping them fight their battle. I don't want to take this destiny but then we watch him come back around and by the end of the movie now it's i'm the emperor yeah oh right? my gosh dude which makes me excited for the third movie because now we're leaving the planet i think we're going into the space we're actually moving blah beyond yeah that plot of you know here's the blah 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 the romantic mm -hmm. kind of <laughs> well, I think what's most nonsense. interesting about his character is that he clearly still has that because right before he does the whole emperor thing, he walks up to her and says, "As long as I breathe, I will love you." Yeah, it's like, it do it's like doesn't it's leave still his, there. It doesn't leave his heart, yeah. but he knows that he does have to accept this destiny. Yeah, it is. At one point, it's like something she kind of agrees with too. It's like the world chose for us. When does she agree? Well, it's I, the I think it, scene I where they're arguing about whether or not. Paul will travel south. Oh, yeah. And she comes in and she says, the world chose for us. Hmm. And it seems like she's trying to comfort him because they do have to go south, but yeah. she didn't expect him to go all the way into it. Yeah. I think it was more, she was still on that romantic side of it. Yeah. It's like, don't leave me, come, come with me. Don't yeah. stay here. But then ultimately she loses him because yeah. of that decision, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited for the third movie. I'm really interested in to see where this is going to go. 
to see this yeah. guy who's now embraced that he's the chosen <clears throat> one and now he has to self-actualize that mm-hmm. because the rest of the houses are not having it and i can kind of agree with that it's like what am i gonna <laughs> take this freaking usurper and just put him on the emperor i'm not gonna swear my fealty to a kid yeah <laughs> yeah I don't like. I can almost imagine being the leader of one of these houses and be like, well, "We have a Bene Gesserit. Get that lady out of here. I don't want to deal with that." What do you mean she can speak words and make us do that stuff? Was the other thing. It's like you're exiled. Burn the witch. But you notice, like, they're in the Emperor's house. They're in the Harkonnen's house. They're in the yeah. Atreides' yeah. house. The that Bene Gesserit are the ones in that charge. That was the most interesting thing. In on that side was the Reverend Mother being not only a Fremen desert thing but it's an emperor thing yeah it's like there's a reverend mother in the Fremen culture and next to the emperor there is like a consort of yeah, all of them I'm and like, they're what? like all trying to have daughters and all of them trying to carry on their yeah. thing and influence the men and kind of puppeteer them that was the other thing I wanted to talk about which is the masculine and feminine forces oh yeah you mentioned that when I mentioned the scene of the Harkonnens and they're getting like the thing painted on their foreheads, that's a really big illustration of that because we're watching the masculine forces, the army, the mm-hmm. soldiers, they got their swords and their armor ready and they're sitting and they're disciplined, but they can't go to battle until they're anointed by a priestess. Mm. You know, they can't take that leap. There's yeah. always a woman pulling the string somewhere <laughs> in this world. <laughs> It's not like it's it was supposed to be making putting a matriarchal kind of society in your fantasy world mm-hmm. is supposed to be a subversive thing, but I really like the way that it's framed here because it's like there's still men in charge of this world, but they can't do things without like yeah there's a, a feminine force behind yeah. all of them mm-hmm. and the feminine forces hold their hearts one way or the other mm-hmm. it's interesting when the emperor is like the reason why i killed your father is because he believed in the rules of the heart oh yeah i thought that was really interesting because the emperor thinks that he is ruling from the mind but he's doing whatever the Bene Gesserit woman says <laughs> and he's doing whatever his daughter says mm-hmm. and they're the ones who are really in charge of this yeah right so it's like i thought your father like your father was weak from my perspective they're seeing all of it as a measure of force and strength when you watch the Harkonnens try to fight they're bearing down as much force as possible Mm -hmm. right but in the end it's Chani and the guerrilla fighting kind of Fremen who are not being confrontational that are you know winning yeah right the Bene Gesserit are not confrontational they're subversive they Mm -hmm. go in and they like get into your mind and play with that um that kind of scene where she's like, yeah, he's a psychopath, but what does that matter? What matters oh, yeah. is whether or not we can control him. <laughs> yeah. Right? And then the later scene where they're describing him, they're just giving a full emotional breakdown. Yeah. Like, here's what all the things are, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's interesting the His way desire. that they, they view control, <laughs> right? They're like, can we control him as in, can we just stand around and tell him what to do? Yeah. Right? Not versus, can I bear my military might? against you so the masculine force and feminine forces in this movie i think they're very interestingly framed and i don't see a lot of movies doing such a great job of that the matrix resurrections is one example that comes to mind because the whole point of that new matrix the fourth one yeah 
Hmm. The whole point of that new Matrix movie is that the one is actually the two. The duality between Neo and Trinity. I honestly don't remember it at all. It wasn't a great movie. <laughs> but the point being is that there was supposed to be this duality between masculine and feminine force, but they didn't lean on that very well. Hmm. And they didn't apply it to the movie very well. Yeah. Dune does a really good job of that. By contrast. I think that's everything I had about it. Yeah. Is there anything that comes to mind for you? Excited about the third movie? Oh, yeah. I want to watch the first one. (laughs) I feel like they could have taken Dune 1 and 2 and turned them into three movies instead of two because of the length of them. Yeah, it probably would have helped the pacing of the first part of the second movie. Yeah. And now I'm curious how long Dune 3 is going to be. I'm wondering how the pacing will be. (laughs) I hope this podcast is shorter than those movies. (laughs) I hope it takes me less time to edit. (laughs) It will definitely take you less time to edit. Well, hopefully it comes out soon. I'm hoping I can get it out quickly so people can listen to this and decide whether they would like to go. And I recommend they go. Um, What would you give this movie out of 10? Oh, I don't know. It's hard. I'll go with an 8. Why not? Um, Yeah, I'm like an 8, maybe an 8.5. It was more enjoyable than most movies I've seen. I'm happy with the nuance in this movie. Yeah. I would say. It's visually stunning. The performances are fantastic. Yeah. Um, I don't really have any serious complaints about it aside from it's like you wouldn't complain about its runtime I would mm. um, which you know the only thing I didn't like in terms of time was pacing yeah and the random time skips that were poorly executed from my opinion runtime pacing yeah that's what doesn't make it a 10 mm. um, but aside from that they made politics interesting yeah yeah great which job is something that's very it hard really it it hit where I'm at right now because the book series I'm reading does politics, religion, war, and it throws in What's magic as well. What's the title of the one you're reading? Is it literally Color Magic? No. So the one I'm, the series is called the Lightbringer series by Brent Weeks. I'm on the fifth book called The Burning White. Interesting. For those who want to and should read, the first book is called The Black Prison. Well, um, keep an eye out for more of our movie reviews and more of the stuff that we hope to be putting out with this podcast and with our other projects you can find us online at the forest creek on instagram and other social media platforms and on youtube youtube.com slash at the real forest creek hit us up on spotify that's our favorite place to be follow us there and check out more episodes of this podcast like i said more will be coming soon hopefully we get more of a chance to do those and while you're at it, check out the people we're helping out, St. George's Coptic Orthodox Church at St. George YVR on Instagram and other social media platforms, youtube.com slash st.georgeyvr. Until next time, um, we hope you enjoyed our review of uh, Yellow Planet. Wadib. That's what, what that's the word. Wadib. <laughs> what did I say as we were coming out? Waggy or something. Avatar 2 but yellow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Avatar 2 but yellow. But much that was better. So also good. a much better movie. Okay. Uh well goodbye. See ya. Well al Khalib. As written as it is written. <laughs> they ended the podcast as it is written. As it is written. Lisa al Khalib. <laughs>